Would you like to work closer to home, save money on gas, and be rewarded for your hard work and attendance? Then Belicio Foods is looking for you. That's right, Belicio Foods is now hiring for multiple positions and shifts with great employee benefits, an on-site health clinic, competitive wages, and advancement opportunities. Belicio Foods is a company that truly values their employees. Apply online at Beliciofoods.com slash careers. everyone and welcome to the morning show right here on main street tv how are you doing pete wilson hey we've come back around to monday again we made it to monday it's the way it works isn't it we i know so i saw one of my friends posted on facebook i hate these 15 minute weekends okay i can can relate (laughs) i can i can relate (laughs) it's so true why is that but uh a lot of fun stuff going on and uh went to the dog swim yesterday that was fun I saw Jeremiah there. Did you swim with a dog? I did not, but I did get run over by one. You got, I, there were some ex, very excited to, dogs. To say that there were some excited dogs at the dog swim yesterday is the understatement of the century. Uh, no, it, they that, were like, <laughs> "What?" That, that's always a, a, a fun event to to see whether you know you're you're participating or not. Oh, yep, there they are. Yeah, here's here's some photos I grabbed before it started yeah. pouring the rain out there and then it I took did. off because I didn't want to get my equipment damaged, but Yes. Well, unless you know they you have cute. a storm and lightning and thunder, you know, a little rain shouldn't bother a dog swim, I right? know. I was like, well, cuz Jamie's like, "Well, do you still want to go?" I'm like, "Well, we're going to get wet anyway, so what does it matter?" No, that's that's exactly right. And but you know, it's it summer. held off for an hour or so before it started raining. It, so. it, it's it's funny when you see that and I know maybe Maybe it's a little bit different every year, but, uh, you know, nine out of 10 dogs are delighted. And then there's that one dog that, you know, has to be coaxed to be in the water, wants to be <laughs> held, uh, is not real thrilled about the opportunity to swim in Hillcrest pool. <laughs> well, it was funny because, uh, Marley's just getting old on us, but, uh, yeah, she was kind of like, I'm like, she's the only lab in the world that I know that just, I mean, she likes water, but she doesn't really want to swim or anything. She's just like... Okay, cool. I'm done. Okay. Right. okay. Well, hey, everybody's different, right? <laughs> but anyway, and then uh, the fly-in was so fun over the weekend, but I'm sure you're going to talk about all that. Right. Well, so. yeah, we've got we've got kind of things lined up here, uh, you know, all sorts of things, public affairs, uh, the fun stuff this weekend, uh, some of the unfun stuff that has occurred that we're going to catch up on, things that are out before us here this week, et cetera. So we'll get, sure. we'll get right to it. At the top of the stack, Jennifer... I think the thing that probably is the big news story is that uh, last Thursday evening, uh, during a special session meeting, the Oak Hill Union Local Board of Education hired an interim superintendent. Yes. Uh, the gentleman's name is Jason Mantell. There he uh, is. And uh, he, of course, replaces at least temporarily Dr. Marcy Shepard, who uh, resigned last month, and her last day was uh, officially July the 31st. Mm-hmm. And Mantell has a long career in in uh, education. However, his current position at the time that he was hired as interim superintendent was executive director of the Child Protective Services in Scioto County. Okay. However, his background it totally is in education and we do know that uh, you know that that has been his main uh, career. 
this sure. is kind of like a, a related, at least, you know, you're working with children. I was going to say, I mean, you're still in the field of, you know, children and protecting them and watching out for them. So right. that makes sense. My guess is, and we've not talked directly with any of the Oak Hill school officials yet. We hope to do it as we, you know, we work on our newspaper version of the story. We have an initial version already online. We made it free of charge. It's also on our, it's on our website and also on Facebook. Uh, because I know people want to know about this and they want to know about it now. But we hope to, you know, hear a little bit more from the school officials about how they came to chose a Jason Mantel uh, and, uh, you know, the details of, uh, of his position, how long he's going to be able to serve as interim superintendent. Uh, I don't know whether uh, he would be considered a candidate for permanent or whatever, but okay. he certainly has some educational credentials that he brings to the to the job sure and so uh you know we also hope to hear from him too uh he does have some uh, local connections uh he married a girl from wellston ah, okay. uh, and he has a brother brian mantel who's also been involved in education and athletics too so uh jason mantel now on as the interim superintendent for the oak hill union local school district and i know I'm guessing the school officials in Oak Hill have to feel very good about getting somebody with as much experience as I have that has their heart in education, who isn't just, uh, you know, driving the car, uh, you know, yes. until they can get out of it. You know, he's very interested in education and uh, has climbed the ladder in education, has been a principal before. Uh, and uh, some of his experience has been in Scioto County. And of course, that is where he is now. Uh, the executive director of child protective services. He had been previous to that a middle school principal and a trans transportation coordinator in the Soda Valley School District, which is Piketon in okay. Pike County. Sure. And uh, he also had been uh, an assistant high school principal, athletic director, and online academy administrator, and a director <laughs> of career based intervention. He's done a lot. So, you know, a lot of online uh, experience too in in education so uh we'll that is one of the big stories we're working on right now he and his family live in south webster so he won't have far to come uh, not sure how uh, the transition is going to work because i'm sure the opportunity came up kind of suddenly just as the vacancy did yes so uh he did say in a statement that was released by the district that he hopes to be you know working in the district and with uh, and meeting people very soon good okay. so we'll, we'll see what how that works out now we'll go to some of the fun stuff that we had over the weekend. And it kind of started off very early on Friday evening at the Jackson area YMCA. They had a uh, community celebration um, to kind of uh, mark the opening of and the uh, opening of the new floor, the new gymnasium floor, they you know, did, big yes. fundraising drive. So they had a, what they call community fun night. They had activities outside, activities inside. But obviously, Jennifer, you couldn't have ordered up better weather oh, man, than we perfect. had on Friday evening. So Here are two of the principals that, that made that a fun event. Of course, you got DJ Reggie uh, Robinson there on the left. And you have uh, Jackson's own lifetime entertainer <laughs> who still knows how to have fun, of course. That's right. Uh, the author uh, of the fun show. Uh, it changes every year, but that, of course, is our own Mark Wood. Uh, and uh, Mark did uh, his entertainment there, and uh, Reggie kind of was a DJ and announcer who yeah. kept things moving along very well. Maybe the biggest activity was the 5K uh, Run, Walk, Glow Walk. Yes. Uh, glow, glow, glow event that they had. Now, they didn't really have glow sticks, but they called it that because it, they had it late in the evening. It started at 8 o'clock. They made it free, and more than 100 people 
actually participated more than that signed up but they ended up having more than 100 you can see a bunch of people there at the starting line and it was a fun thing but it was there's also people who who run for competition and you know they did uh have prizes to the first uh, place uh runner uh men and women and on the left a lot of local people recognize that face jason holzapple from wellston uh Jason, of course, had the convenience stores uh, yeah. here in Jackson and Wellston, a number of several of them till he sold. Uh, and is still well known for that. Lifelong resident of Wellston, graduate of Wellston High School. He has taken up running. He's always run. Yes. but He's taken it to a new level now. And he was easily the first place finisher among <laughs> among the males. And he, he's amazing. He yes. has uh, he's done 100 milers. Yeah. You, know, you talk about. The great, uh, the great feat of doing a marathon, you know, 26 miles. Well, he's done 100, and he has qualified, and not many people do this. He's qualified for the Boston Marathon. That's awesome. So, you know, we're, I'm sure we're going to be talking more with him about that. He's going to be the yeah. subject of an article. The young lady who was the first-place female uh, winner uh, is also well-known in Jackson County, and, she be, and she's going to become more well-known, Emma Newsom. Yep. She's a graduate of Jackson High School. And she is now the cross-country coach at Jackson High School and Jackson Middle School. This will be her first year. And so what a role model. No Um, doubt. Now, in high school, she was not on the teams. I talked with her very briefly after the event. But she took up running at the age of 22, uh, yep. and she is a, a wonderful, uh, accomplished runner now. Yep. As you know, that uh, her as her uh, finish in the in the glow walk in the glow run would indicate. And I so, think she even suckered her dad into running. Uh, may well be, but uh, <laughs> so that's fun but, too. But, but obviously, she, firsthand, she can give some lessons to yes, her, absolutely, to her, to her, uh, to her uh, team members this year. But also, uh, there was other things. There was a three throw shooting contest. There was a three point shooting contest. Uh, they had food trucks there. Uh, Michaels was selling their bubbles. Yeah, uh, a taco truck was there. Um, they also had uh, uh, pickleball games and lessons going on inside. Uh, they had um, the dunk tank, and uh, uh, two of the people that were on the dunk tank, there was a number of them, but they got Phil Howard, the superintendent <laughs> of schools there. I think a lot of people lined up I to take a shot right. at him. I think you're right. And then uh, David Gillum uh, yes. of Lewis and Gillum uh, Funeral Homes uh, was uh, on the dunk tank as well, as well as uh, some of the staff members for the Y as well, but it was a <laughs> but it was a wonderful activity. Um, Chief Executive Officer of the Y, Tim Harvey, was delighted uh, with the turnout because it was a good community event. That's what he mm-hmm. shoots for, and it was also a way to say thank you and to celebrate <clears throat> that new floor in there. Absolutely. And I got my first live look at it. I know we've had pictures up there, but sure. you got to see it to truly appreciate it. It uh, looks as good as any new high school basketball floor you That's will right. ever see, and uh, it only happened. Because there was not only large donations, but a bunch of small donations that were able to put them over the top. Mm-hmm. And when it was evident, you know, that they need that last push to be able to get there, some people in this community really came through. So congratulations to the Jackson Area YMCA. That was a wonderful event on Friday evening. We're going to have, uh, you know, a spread on that, hopefully in our Wednesday paper. Good. But it was, it, was, it was very nice, a lot of fun. Of course, I know that you were at the Jackstone Memorial Fly-In on Saturday yes. morning and afternoon. So fun. And uh, our own Jeremiah Shaver, who's right now uh, got his headphones on running the show for us. Yes. He was there as well. And once again, 
you know, if there's any event that counts on the weather. Oh, man. I, I mean, it's, I mean, maybe even more than a car show, it's an air show. Yes. Because, uh, you know, the planes have to be able to fly, and a lot of them are the older planes and whatever. And when they do their rides and their stunts, they have to be able uh, to, to, to be up there. And, of course, you want to be able to see them real well. Yep. Uh, but uh, it was gorgeous. It was obviously a great event. They had uh, they had uh, Jeremiah uh, can tell you they had uh, the 1940 B-25 Mitchell bomber there that attracted a lot of attention. That's right out of uh, World War II. Uh, they also uh, did uh, did that uh, was so cool. They also did airplane rides. Uh, that's uh, Dewey Davenport, I believe, that gave the rides, uh, and they um, they also. Um, you know, it gave everybody a chance to see the airport. That's part of the reason that they have it, because why would you sure. go to the airport unless there's some kind of event or you're actually on a plane? And, you know, it's not a big passenger thing. There's not a lot of traffic through the air, airport. It's an economic development business thing and, yeah. and, 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 and the pilots, you know, who use the airport. But this gives the general public a chance to get out there. And uh, you know, I, I, what, what were your impressions of, of the day? Oh, I thought it was just a wonderful day. It's um, number one, seeing those kids like get to take plane rides. I thought, you know, I was just standing, sitting there watching them take off and land and, and these little kids getting to take the plane rides. And I thought that is just you know, something it, they will remember for, for a lifetime. You know, it was so cool. Right. It's one thing to do the loop to plane at the Apple Festival. It's another yeah, thing to actually the, be way up there. Right. And especially <laughs> like the open air, you know, Dewey's plane is just so neat. And then, you know, that World War II plane was <clears throat> so cool. So when I was driving down Hanley Road to get to the airport, so I guess when they brought that plane, they flew in from like the Batavia area and... <laughs> They came over the airport and did like a big loop around the airport. Well, I was driving there at that time, evidently. So I'm driving, you know, on Hanley and I'm looking, you know, at the houses and whatever. And I look up and literally there's this ginormous, loud, it was loud, plane just like right over top of my head, over my car. I was like, ah, is it crashing or what? But no, it wasn't. They were just making a giant loop. But it was so cool. And the guys... um, we're so very um, kind as to let people like literally you could almost climb right up in the plane and it had bombs in it. Like you could like see the bombs and like how that all works and the guns. And um, evidently that plane had been in a movie called catch 22 back in the, I think it was in the seventies. And uh, so they had painted it that way for that movie. So it was really, really neat to get to see that and to think <laughs> those were the planes that they actually physically used to defend our country. Like <laughs> they look, it's so just like a big, huge, massive, big, heavy thing. <laughs> like you're like, how did those even fly? It looks like compared it to what we have looks today, like it couldn't get off the ground. No, right? right. I was like, oh my gosh, that thing is terrifying. Big motor, I'm guessing. Yeah, something like that. But it was really neat because, like, if you could see, like, in the front there on the nose of the plane and whatever, like, all of that is is clear, like glass. And then up at the very top of the plane, um, above the wings, there's like a big, huge, like glass, like hatch looking thing, and it's got like all these guns sticking out of it, and there's guns sticking out the front of it, and I don't know. It was wild. Just absolutely wild. So, and those guys were the the two that flew it in and uh stayed with it for the day and they were very neat nice, weren't they, Jeremiah? 
They they were um, all the all these pitchers are uh, courtesy of James Hamilton, yes. who is not with us this week. Um, but yeah, these are James. Some photos, some photos he took. Um, like you were saying, this is the uh, the nineteen forty B twenty five, the Michelle Bomber, and uh, the Mitchell Bomber, rather. Sorry. Um, like you were saying, it was in the Catch Twenty Two, but it was the 20, 2019 Hulu oh, mini series. It was the newer one. It was a remake. Okay, it wasn't the seventy. And I actually, one. actually, I'll show you off uh, off camera. I should have put it on here. I actually found a picture on um, online of this okay. plane. Because I Googled it and from, I saw that there yeah, was like a newer version of it. That but... was the one it was in. Okay, cool. You. I sent James a picture. He thought it was cool. But, Neat. Um, Anyway, the the pilots here. This is a uh, father and son team, uh, Scott and Michael Burke, and they have a combined fifty three years of experience uh, flying. Yeah, they were they were cool. But uh, this this plane came up to Jackson County from down in um, Batavia. Yeah, down near Cincinnati, Cincinnati um, from the War Warbird Museum is where it came from. Um, I was able to talk to the son, and uh, he told me a little bit more about um, that museum. And you guys can watch that. It's on uh, the Telegram's Facebook page and cool. my Facebook page as well. But uh, there was a few other photos that I put up on the screen. Um, you were saying uh, Dewey Div yeah, Davenport. Davenport. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, he was doing the flights. And, uh, James, so fun. James captured this photo of these two uh, young lads they were coming so back. Excited. I believe this is uh, Cindy Coons kids. Okay. Cindy. And, yeah, I um, think. I can't think of her husband's name. Philip. Philip. Yes. Yeah. Used to be the uh, principal yes. out of Southview. Yeah. So um, some ni nice photos, and then uh, we had this uh, plane from the Ohio State Highway Patrol. Um, I don't have this gentleman's name on the sheet here, but uh, I, we we thank James for the photos and like for sure. Pete said, hopefully we'll have some of these in a future yeah, edition. We, yeah, well, I tell you what, we're, we're going to definitely shoot through our Wednesday edition there uh, while this is fresh, but uh, some great photography there for sure. Yes. We'll show you and we'll tell you, you know, the story behind those pictures as well. Uh, but uh, kudos to everybody yes. who made that happen. Fun fact about the the big bomber plane that they told James and he told me because we were out there together. Um, it took them <laughs> a, a half an hour to fly from Batavia to our airport and $700. Oh, wow. And okay. fuel. Okay. All to right. Fly can... a half an hour. Okay. That big ginormous okay. plane. So remember the next time you fill up at the pump, <laughs> have a little perspective. So $1,400 in fuel to get there and back. Okay. Is that not crazy? He, he James has on here that it was a 97 mile trip and it, they used a hundred gallons. Of yeah. And it's $7 a gallon. That's crazy. Yeah. That's what the guy told him. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> well I, I'm glad they still decided to come even after, after the, the sticker wow. sticker shock at the yeah, pump. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but no, it was a wonderful day. It was it so was. neat to see. Um, and I know you're going to do a story about it, but just my opinion was, you know, so many locals, and, and you don't realize this, how many locals have their pilot's license and how many planes there actually are out at the airport. Right. And people were bringing their own planes out. And some people had actually built their own planes and experimental planes and all the different shapes and sizes and somewhere, you know, from the twenties and some are like more modern and just really cool stuff. And I want to thank uh, our good friend Gerald out there too, because uh, he was kind of give, I was like, so, you know, tell me about that plane. Tell me about that plane. And so he was giving me all the yeah, Gerald, facts about it. He's so wonderful. Gerald Burchett, he's kind of the latter day Jack Stone. Uh, by the way, Jack Stone, uh, who uh, that was 
wonderful that they named it after Jackson yes. because he definitely w- was the personification of the James A. Rhodes Airport out there yes. for many years. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, you know, we want to thank everybody who made that event happen because, you know, it's a, uh, the airport is a lot of work behind the scenes, and this was work to put this event on. Very but much. they know that it's important to share the airport with the public. Uh, it's had some money coming in uh, from the outside, some grants and like that's allowed some improvements. The terminal building is new. It hasn't been there that long. You know, right. people had a chance to see it, but, uh, the Jackson County commissioners are, um, uh, titularly speaking anyway, the owner of the airport, the, but the airport authority, which has its own board kind of, yes. they are the ones who actually oversee the airport. And Mr. Burchett is out there working as an employee. Yep. Uh, but uh, there's other uh, many other people that made this happen. There was sponsors such as uh, Spaceside Bourbon Cooperage, the Jackson County Banking Center, Geiger Brothers Mechanical Contractors, Cole Kirby and Associates, the Lewis family, the Howler family, and of course the Jackson County Commissioners yes. that uh, made this event happen. Looks like it's going to be an annual thing. It was kind of sort of an extension of the 50th anniversary celebration they had out there last year. Yep, I think uh, we were talking last year. Will be I? They have big. They have plans to make it a lot bigger. <clears throat> right, exactly. So, and of course, our, our neighbor to the north has one of the, they, they say, they proclaim it as the, the largest free air show. Of course, Vinton County. In Ohio. And that is, of course, the at the Vinton County Airport. Yes. And that uh, is. And they uh, have chicken. Yeah. Oh, and they, yeah, the chicken. They have barbecue the chicken. The Vinton County Pilots and Boosters Association. They always do that in mid-September. Big event yep. as there as well. Uh, but anyway, uh, we lest we forget, uh, school is starting again. This is the first day of school for the Jackson it City School is. District. It is. I Be mean, it's hard to believe there. August 15th, but here we are. On August the 17th, Wednesday, it will be the first day for the Wilson City School District and the Vinton County Local School District. And then next Monday, a week from today, August the 22nd, will be the first day for the uh, Oak Hill Union Local yes. School District. Uh, and that means uh, with school starting that the those yellow and black buses are back out there. That's right. And, of course, September has to be school bus safety month. We're not there yet, but, you know, that's kind of first full month where school will be in session. Yes. And uh, one thing to remember about school buses uh, and school bus safety uh, through other motorists is that motorists are required to stop at least 10 feet in front up or behind a school bus when the school bus is flashing its lights and an extended arm are displayed. Motorists cannot resume driving until the school bus begins moving. The patrol also reminds motorists to plan ahead and allow extra time through delays caused by school bus stops. So if a school bus is in a lane, uh, yes. in a lane and you're even going the opposite direction yes. and there's no traffic, you know, there's no stoplight or anything, but you see those flashing yellow lights and you see that arm come out that often has a stop sign on it. It is illegal to drive yes. through there, even though the kids may be getting out on the other side because, you know, of course, some of them are crossing the street That's to get the in the thing. bus People or need to realize going back that, across the street to their houses. Yes. And kids are, you know, they get out the bus. The, there's only one door on the bus. So they get out here, but they need to go there they're crossing the road and you know you just have to watch out for them and trust me when i tell you there's nowhere that you have to be that's worth a child's life or you, you know injury so just stop right. it's not hard right and you know you, there's many places throughout our i mean 
there's many school bus stops along the way, so you're going to run into this uh, constantly. And you always, you always got to remember, too, as you pass through a school zone, the speed limit there is going to be 20 miles per hour. Some of them are, you know, it's on annoying. highways. So, you know, suddenly you're you're 45 and then you have to be 20. It's annoying, but just do it. No, you you, you need to do it, get in the habit of doing it during the, the school year, and especially when it's arriving and exit time, uh, departure time uh, for, uh, for the different school buildings. So, uh, once again, uh, be aware of School Bus Safety Month. And, uh, Jennifer, I do know firsthand that people have been cited for uh, not stopping when a school bus is stopped. Yes, absolutely. And um, yeah, they will make an example of you. For sure. And for the others. patrol will be out. And do not um, speed during those school zones. Uh, 25 is too fast. Like, they're going to get you. Mm-hmm. Because we're they're watching gonna, out gonna be for the real, kids. They're going to be real strict about that. I'm not sure there's going to be a lot of warnings rather than citations. No, you're going to get it. So just do what you're supposed to do. Right. Okay. Also, speaking of back to school, uh, this kind of dovetails with the whole back to school uh, theme of this week. Uh, recently, this was on Sunday, August 7th, a week from yesterday, they had the big Clips for Kids event at the Christ United yes. Methodist Church. And uh, that is uh, one of just one of the many kids that got a free haircut there at the Christ United Methodist Church, thanks to Indivisible Appalachian, Ohio, and local sponsors. That's right. And I think many people may recognize the hairstylist there. That, of course, is Becky <laughs> Mayhew is. with Village Haircutters. Now, she wasn't the only one to donate her time and her skills. There were others as well, and we want to uh, recognize them. The other stylists who gave up their Sunday afternoon, uh, and believe me, you know, Sunday afternoons are, are valuable to people especially when they work on Saturday, as many of these stylists do. So true. Natalie Kranitz of Oak Hill, Courtney Teeters of the Brook Lane Studios, that's here in Jackson. Of course, Becky Mayhew, and now her young protege, Hayden Brown of the Village Haircutters, and Paula Ison of the Hair Happening and Tanning uh, just outside Jackson. Uh, These were the people... Uh, men and women who gave up their Sunday yes. uh, to do uh, remember them to do the free haircuts, and uh, there were sponsors as well that helped make this happen. In addition to the free haircuts, Jennifer, uh, there was also uh, school supplies given away, personal items, signups for the Imagination Library. Uh, Wendy's had vouchers for kids' meals and snacks. There was door prizes given away. And uh, there were also uh, gift cards to gasoline, groceries, and various other items. That's right. Uh, so this this was once again a uh, a project of of, uh, of indivisible uh, Appalachian, Ohio, that yes. works in seven southeastern Ohio counties. So cool, right? And Dennis Reinhardt, Jackson area resident. I know yes. we had him on TV. He also worked with us for some pre publicity. He worked with me after, so we can do some post coverage as well. Was really a, a local force. Uh, a local driving force that made this happen here. Uh, but uh, he thanked many other people as well who helped make it happen. It was a lot of people that made this happen, and they had a great turnout for um, for Clips for Kids, and we are going to have an article, hopefully in Wednesday's paper or Saturday's, one of the two, uh, about how successful this was with some photos yes. of those stylists who uh, gave up their time. But thank you uh, to them. All right, this is a back-to-school event that is occurring on Saturday uh, here at Manpower Park in Jackson. Uh, the Jackson County Department of, of Job and Family Services, along with other agencies, including the Jackson County Health Department, 
are going to do a healthy kickstart event at Manpower Park. And this should be a pretty big deal. Once again, this Saturday, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., there will be an array of support for both families and children. And anybody can come, just show up. Uh, it's, it's not for people who are served by a certain agency or a certain school district or anything like that. It's open to the public. Items such as backpacks, school supplies will be provided on a first-come, first-served basis. Okay. And even though, you know, they That's had that cool. sales tax holiday, these things add up. They're oh. expensive. Yeah. Uh, also, the health department will be there uh, to do immunizations, including <laughs> COVID-19 on site. Uh, all Jackson County residents are welcome uh, to attend this event. That is, once again, Saturday, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Manpower Park in Jackson. And I have a feeling that uh, the agencies involved will not only try to do some really good community service, but I think they'll probably try to make it a fun event as well for the kids. All right. Uh, on the business side, we had a big transition occur this weekend. Uh, at the Corner Pub. Uh huh. The Corner Pub uh, goes back probably more than 100 years in Jackson. Oh, a, a lot. A few years ago. Right. And when you <laughs> think about it, Jennifer, you've, you've got a business in downtown Jackson now. And, yep. you know, yes, it looks kind of like it always has downtown Jackson for many years. But if you look at the names on the doors and whatever, you know, there's always a lot of transition and changes. Sure. Well, uh, the Corner Pub, uh, originally Rupert's Cafe, has been there for more than a hundred years and it looks the same and it is a real gathering place. It, yeah, it, it is, sure. it is certainly one of the more famous uh, historic and iconic bars in Jackson. Would you disagree with uh, that? No, definitely <laughs> right? not. And it's maintained its popularity through the years. And for the last 20 years, the owner operator has been that man you see in the picture, yep. Pete Bopp. Uh, and you see the big banners there that were up this weekend to kind of salute Pete. Thanks, Pete, for 20 years, says one of the banners. The other banners is Party with Pete, and that's what they did on Friday and Saturday. I talked to Pete uh, yesterday, uh, you know, about uh, the transition, about his uh, career, his experience. Obviously, it was a bittersweet time this weekend. Sure. He said on Friday it was like the Apple Festival. That's how many people were yes. in there. He was very touched uh, by, uh, by the outpouring of support and thanks to him. Conversely, he wanted to thank all the people who uh, had a hand in being customers, sure. uh, his staff over the years that, that supported him. But Pete had a 20-year run and kind of an interesting story. Pete is from the Cleveland area. Jennifer, didn't know whether mm -hmm. you knew that. Came down into this area to play baseball at Rye Grand. All right. I didn't know that. Okay. Well, after college, he went to work at Riepenhoff Distributing, yes. very well-known local business, a beer distributorship down on Broadway. Yep. When, when Riepenhoff Distributing sold out, there was Pete close to midlife having to start all over, basically. Yep. Well, he did have experience with beer, obviously, experience in sales and all like that. And fate intervened, and he had the opportunity yep. to buy the Corner Pub, which was then owned by Bob Ridge. Yes. He had had it for 15 years. And, uh, you know, he got work with Gary Trab Crabtree at Milton Banking and got the financing and and the, and the rest is history. A 20-year yep. run right there. And he has sold it to uh, a local group uh, that includes Jeremy Eisenogle, um, Ben Higgins, and Mercedes Finley. And I think there's one other person that I don't know the name of, but it's, a, it's, a, it's about a four-member group there. And they're going to continue the Corner Pub. It is closed down for two weeks while they make some cosmetic mm -hmm. changes there. But I know that you can expect 
a lot of the history to be retained there. And I know they want to keep the business that Pete always had there. And uh, when I talked with him, uh, you know, one of the things he said was, you know, uh, probably the most challenging time was the pandemic, of course. Oh, of course. You know, yeah. you have a three-month period there where you can't have people come in and sit down and have a sandwich or a beer or whatever, a drink, uh, watch TV. You know, yep. you don't have that, you don't have that uh, sit-down uh, opportunity. And uh, during that time, just like you did with your restaurant, he did carry out service and he also did, he even did delivery service. He said, he, one of his best lines was, he says, well, there's Grubhub and there's Pete Hub. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> right. And, and he personally would go out and deliver food during that period. And that yeah. got him through yeah. until, you know, they were able to, to open up back again. But uh, Pete will be around. He may have some association with the pub, with the new owners, maybe do a little bit for them. But he also uh, now is a full-time custodian at Jackson High School. Yes. He started that about two years ago. And so uh, in the evening, he works up there on the second ship. But during the day, he may help a little bit down at the corner pub. He's not sure, but he's offered his services. He may even be doing some deliveries for him because they like the idea of being able to do deliveries as part of their business plan. Mm -hmm. But he is holding one of the bar stools there. Yes. And uh, the bar stools are removable. They can come off the, the metal uh, part. Yes. But those those hardwood floors and those bar stools have been there seemingly forever. Yes. It's part of the character of the place and uh, they will remain, I'm sure. Yes. Even as they you maybe do some other things to give uh, the bar a different, maybe even a more modern look here uh, as time goes on. But anyway, congratulations uh, to Pete Bopp. Uh, you got to uh, got to uh, you got to give him this. He's a very unpretentious guy, kind of quiet, doesn't say hello. He blends into the woodwork. If you didn't know any better, you'd think he's the bartender or just another staffer. But he told me, uh, you know, as many small businessmen, you know, you have to be there all the time. He says, he says, uh, you work, you work when you don't want to, and you work when someone else doesn't want to. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> that was that's, that's one hundred percent. That was one of the things he said. But he figured, you know, it was until the pandemic. It was open seven days a week. Now six days a week. And he figured, you know, he did some crunching in his head, and he figured he was he had, is there eighty five percent of the time. And of course, he did everything there. You often saw him out on the sidewalk, sweeping the sidewalk. Yep. That was just the kind of guy he was. He was willing you know, to do anything to make his business successful. All right. So um, now we'll go to uh, some harder news a little bit. Uh, we received some news from the Vinton County prosecutor about the you know, ongoing murder investigation there. And that is what they're calling it. Um, that was back on uh, August the 5th when uh, a 33-year-old man from Vinton County uh, was shot and killed. Uh, the suspect in custody is Sammy Vong Southey. Uh, he's in the uh, Southeast Ohio Regional Jail, and there is his photo. Uh, right now, he is charged with murder. There will be a preliminary hearing tomorrow in Vinton County Court. That is where the prosecution will have to show enough evidence to hmm. have him bound over to the common pleas court, which is the higher court, which usually handles the felony cases. Where's this fellow from? Do you know? Vong Southie. I have never seen an address on him. I know that he was captured in Columbus. I don't okay. know if he's from Columbus, uh, but there was no address on the, on the jail ledger okay. there. Gotcha. So, but he, but he is, he is in custody. He was arrested the same day uh, in Columbus by the Franklin County Sheriff's office after 
the local authorities, the Vinton County Sheriff's Office, which is heading up the investigation, uh, gained information that he may be in Franklin County. And gotcha. that was exactly where he was. Uh, but once again, preliminary hearing on Tuesday, and that case will uh, reach a, a very important point there on whether it's uh, sent over to the common police court. It probably will be. They just have to show enough evidence that a crime occurred and that Mr. Vong Southie may have committed it. You know, it's not gotcha. the same as an indictment or a conviction. Okay. All right. Also, um, they did release the name of the victim. That was not immediately done because right. of, uh, you know, identification of kin and all like that. Sometimes that can be a prolonged process when people don't live locally. But the, uh, the, um, the victim is Michael Young, age 33, and he did live at State Route 328, New Plymouth, where the shooting occurred. Okay. So that story was in our Saturday paper, and that is the latest on that. Also, on the not-so-good news front, we had a couple fires that were notable. Uh, oh, no. Yes, uh, this was on Thursday in Liberty Township. Um, Thomas Washington residence at 10774 Beaver Pike. That's about five miles out the Beaver Pike. Um, that home caught fire when nobody was there uh, early Thursday evening. Uh, the Liberty Township Fire Department with mutual aid from three other fire departments was able to knock down the fire. The structure's still there, but it was pretty well gutted, and it's being counted as likely a total loss. Uh, one of the silver linings in this bad story is that there was insurance coverage okay. uh, in place, and uh, the state fire marshal has been called in to investigate that case because the cause of the fire was undetermined. Gotcha. All right, another fire that occurred on Thursday at a government property happened at the Vinton Township Garage in Vinton County. Oh, no. Vinton Township is over on the eastern end of the county towards Wilkesville. And sometime late Thursday night at the Vinton Township Garage, which is on R. Ball Road, a fire broke out, not on any building, not the township building, but broke out um, with some equipment. A tractor and backhoe both caught on fire as well as a shelter house, which is on that property. Interesting. Uh, the uh, Hamden Fire Department, which covers Vinton Township, they were there. I think they had some help from uh, the Wellston and the Wilkesville Fire Departments as well. They were able to knock down the fire. The shelter house uh, has some damage, but, you know, it survived. However, the tractor and the backhoe, those are two big pieces of valuable equipment. Uh, yes. They are considered losses. Oh, no. So... The fire marshal has been called in to investigate that the cause that of that fire. That seems a little suspicious, right, doesn't it? Right, and I don't. I, I wish I could tell you more on the circumstances and the timing. I don't know whether anybody was there. I don't know it came from an accident, just undetermined. Right. Whether it was after everybody was gone, and it's mysterious, maybe even suspicious. Mm. But nonetheless, that fire did occur there, and we had a we had a blurb on that in our Saturday paper, and we hope to maybe follow up on that. However. Um, we know from experience the fire marshal's office is pretty close mouth until they make a, a determination. And then sure. even then, sometimes it's hard to get the information. It's a need-to-know basis. If you if, need to know, they'll let you know. <laughs> right. If, if there is a criminal investigation involved, you know, technically, you know, they can not tell you anything because of, quote, ongoing investigation. Yeah. All right. But nonetheless, a big story. All right. In Jackson, uh, uh, they had uh, at the last meeting of the commissioners, uh, some good news for some different entities, including the city of Jackson. The county commissioners announced that 
uh, $800,000 in American Rescue Plan Act money would be going to the city of Jackson so they could do nice. the Mill Street sewer project. And this is uh, the photo op that was done then because everybody's happy about this. Uh, uh, from left to right, if you're looking at the picture there on your computer, your phone or whatever, um, County Commissioner, uh, Jackson County Commissioner John Hensler, Jackson County Auditor Tiffany Ridgeway, Jackson Mayor Randy Evans, he might have the biggest smile of all there. Yeah, I'd say. Uh, Jackson County Commissioner Paul Haller and Jackson County Commissioner Donnie Willis. $800,000 will allow uh, the city to move forward with the Mill Street sewer project. Yes. Uh, this is sanitary sewer project yes. within the city. This is one a, a very rare uh, situation. It's, it's going to be remedied. They yeah. had no sanitary sewer service there, even Correct. though it was within the city. Not because nobody wanted to to do it or take care of it. It just costs a lot of money to do. As you can see, $800,000 will allow them to, uh, not even sure if that's the whole cost. It probably isn't. But obviously, that should be enough to allow that project to become reality. Uh, but that wasn't the only money the commissioners gave out that day. And this is federal money coming from Washington on the sure. American Rescue Plan Act. They also gave $33,000 to the Oak Hill Food Pantries uh, Improvement Project, and this will involve work on the roof, electric, and ceiling. And there is the food pantry. If I recall correctly, Jennifer, you're, you've been around a while. I believe it used to be the old sundry building in Oak Hill. Oh, gosh. Right. I forgot about that. Right. They had a sundry store down yeah. there, too. And that's right on, the, right on, right on Front Street there uh, on the Maple, Front and Maple, I believe. And... Uh, that is where, uh, that is where, um, or front and western maybe, but that is where, um, that is where uh, uh, they needed to do some work badly. It's a charity thing, uh, not sure. government owned or anything. So I'm sure that $33,000 will be much appreciated. So that's good news from uh, the city of from, uh, Jackson County and good news for Oak Hill and Jackson both. All right. Uh, very soon we will have uh, the Wellston, Ohio Hill Country Festival. Yes. It's coming up. Remember, there's the Labor Day weekend and there's the Ohilco Festival, technically now called the Ohio Hill Country Festival. The Ohilco is the acronym. But anyway, they're going to have some changes this year that are worth talking about. Okay. Two of them for sure. They're, not, they're going to start on Wednesday and run through Saturday. Tuesday will no longer be the first day of the festival. They never considered okay. it an official day of the festival, but they had it started in the evening. They called it a preview night. Kind okay. Of. But yeah. they usually had the coal miner Olympics and uh, a gospel music concert. Mm -hmm. But now they are consolidating into three days or four days starting on Wednesday. Gotcha. This will be September 7th through Saturday, September 10th. And by the way, the theme for this year's Ohio Hill Country Festival is all roads lead to everyone's hometown. Another big change that they're doing, which is important to know now, is, of course, they got the royalty contest coming up the last weekend in August. Before, Wilson's Festival was a hometown festival. Entries for the royalty contest at the different age levels were limited to girls in the Wilson City School District. Okay. Now, they have broadened that out, and any girl in, the, in Jackson County and Vinton County are welcome really? to be are welcome to enter wow. the pageant at any grade level. 
And obviously, uh, this should broaden the interest, broaden the participation, mm -hmm. and uh, you know maybe bring more people to the festival. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll we'll see how that works out. But uh, the uh, the Ohilco Society, uh, which is a very dedicated group, once again, it's like a, a, a lot of the other public service civic groups. You know, you have a relatively small handful of people really doing a lot of work to make something happen for everybody else. Yes. That's certainly the case with the Ohilco Society. And uh, things will be happening very soon. Those queen contests are going on. Uh, we had a story in uh, Sun or Saturday's paper on the front page that our own Jeremiah Shaver uh, wrote. So we thank him for that. But it tells about these changes, including how to, uh, how to enter the royalty contest. And now's the time to do it because they will be coming up pretty That's soon. That's right. So get, get your entries and in. And we'll be having more information about uh, the Ohilco Festival very soon, you know, about some of the things on the schedule and, and so forth. Yeah. All right. Uh, another thing that's new that we're going to be reporting on is we have a new ag agent in Jackson County, and he is here now and working. His name is Josh Winters, and his title is Agriculture and Natural Resources Educator. And he will work at the Extension Office, yes. the OSU slash County Extension Office there on Standpipe Road. He's there now. I know he's going to be a guest at the Jackson County Farmers Club meeting tonight. So he's getting around meeting people. He is going to meet our associate editor, Phil Buffington, this afternoon for an interview. And, uh, you know, the goal there will be to introduce Mr. Winters to the community and also to say uh, for him to say, you know, what his position is going to be and what he's going to try to achieve. That's this awesome. county has not had, as you know, an ag agent since Dave Samples retired back in 2005. A couple of years and ago. And I will give Dave Samples credit. He has continued to be almost an ag agent in retirement, <laughs> helping out however he could in, he this, in this period. And so um, uh, we welcome Josh Winters to Jackson Very County. Good. And we'll, we'll be learning more about him. And, you know, we've got a new 4-H agent, uh, extension educator, whatever that highfalutin title the, is the coming really long, a new Aaron Daly a new Aaron coming. Daly basically coming <laughs> uh Aaron of course is still here living in Jackson County with her family but now she's doing the same job in Gallia County so we yes. wish her the best as well all right uh, this Thursday uh there will be uh, a meeting of the Wellston City Council and they have some important business to do at the beginning of the meeting they're going to okay. have to pick a new council member. I think I probably said on TV last week that the uh, Jackson County Republican Party Central Committee, the Wellston City Caucus the, the of that Wellston Central Committee, it, yes. would be charged with replacing the vacancy, the at-large council vacancy, yes. uh, as the uh, resigning member, uh, Fred Doobie, Fred, Fred Doobie uh, who is now the third ward councilman, he really isn't gone, he just vacated one position for another, uh, was a Republican. Well... Guess what? People had fuzzy memories. He was not a Republican when he got elected. He was an independent. Oh. So therefore, it's not a Republican appointed position. Oh. And because it's an independent position, it's up to Wellston City Council itself. I was going to say, well, who chooses the independent then? Okay. Right. The council it, it's, does. it's council. If it's, if it's a Democrat, it would be a Demo it would be a Democratic Party appointment. If it's Republican, Republican Party appointment. If it's an independent, it's up to council. And okay. I think if council failed to do it or whatever, it would be up to the mayor, but I'm sure council will take care of it. And according to Wellston Mayor Charlie Hudson, that is exactly what they will do at the beginning of the meeting this Thursday. They okay. are scheduled to meet in regular session at 7 p.m. And he expects right at the beginning to pick that new council member. 
He understands that there's maybe two or three people that have already expressed an interest. But if you're interested in being a Wellston City Councilman, a new Wellston City Councilman, uh, you just need to let them know or just show up there. Yeah. But, it, it, but you need to show up, maybe present yourself or make your interest known at the very least. And this would be for the uh, remainder of the unexpired term, Frederick Doobie's unexpired term. And it's only a two-year term, and there's, it's, we're already halfway, or not, not quite halfway through it. It would be through the end of 2023. Three, yes. Because the, it will be on the ballot again in 2023 through a two-year term. So you get to serve, serve to the rest of this year and then all of 2023. And there's only really um, three requirements. You have to be a resident of Wellston, obviously. And it could be anywhere in Makes Wellston sense. because it's not a ward position. Right. Um, you don't have to be a member of any party at all. You can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat, or you don't have to be either. Sure. All right. But you do have to be a registered voter. Okay. All right. So I, you know, maybe you can get your registration taken care of if, if you're interested in serving, but you're not an elector. Right. Um, you maybe have time to take care of that by registering at the Board of Elections. But that will be an important position that will be filled this Thursday evening. Hey, speaking of Charlie Hudson, Jeremiah, can you look at the calendar? I believe he's our guest tomorrow here on the program. Yes. yes yeah. He so is. I, Mayor, I, 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 I saw that on the here. calendar. He does such a good job when he comes on TV and when he talks to the media and whatever. And yeah. I'll tell you what, Jennifer. Haven't had an update in a while, so Jennifer, we invited him in. Jennifer, you won't have any trouble uh, getting an hour out of Charlie because there is so much <laughs> And I'm not yes. saying about that he's talking about. I'm just saying so that much going on. There is so much going on yes. in Wellston. Some many, many public improvement projects going on, water lines, sewer lines, uh, work at the depot, et cetera. Correct. And he can tell you all about that. I'm sure he'll be willing to share some perspective about being mayor. Yeah. Of course, you know, Charlie, great story. Uh, came back to Wellston after being a business success away from Wellston, came back to a reunion, I think it was. And they said, you know, well, you know, why don't you do something for Wellston or whatever? And he moved back he here said, okay. and he got involved immediately as a city councilman uh, with some public service groups like Main Street in Wellston and then yes. became the mayor after Connie Pelletier chose not to run. Sure. And, you know, he's obviously doing a great job, a, a great job there. I'll, I'll make that editorial comment and judgment. All right. This weekend, um, not going to tell you a whole lot about it, but I'm going to tell you that it's happening. There's going to be an overdose awareness fair at Vinton County High School. Oh, okay. And uh, the health department is putting this on. It's called an overdose awareness health fair. And it will be 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the high school. And uh, the purpose is to raise awareness on the impact of substance abuse and overdoses in Vinton County. Honor lost loved ones who were lost to addiction. Promote harm reduction and reduce the stigma of drug use yes. and drug abuse so people can, you know, face face their horrors and maybe turn their lives around. Yeah. So uh, that's a big event. Uh, there's going to be some guest speakers there, including uh, the Sheriff Ryan Kane, the MacArthur Police Chief Matt Kite, Reggie Robinson will be there to help coordinate things again, and there will be social services folks as well. Mm -hmm. Justin Oyer from Warriors for Christ down here in Jackson County will be one of the speakers as well. Love that. Another big meeting on Saturday in Vinton County will take place at the Hamden Fire Department uh, there at the community building. It will be from 10 a.m. to noon, and it is going to be what they call a roundtable discussion put on by the Ohio Firefighter Task Force. The Firefighter Task Force was formed earlier this year 
with the idea of addressing the problem and issues involving volunteer firefighters. So many local fire departments, particularly smaller ones, count on volunteers. It's been harder to get volunteers. What can we do to improve the situation? How can we support them? That's what the state fire marshal's office through the governor's office wants to achieve with the Ohio Firefighter Task Force. One of the members of the Ohio Firefighter Task Force is none other than a Jackson County and Scioto Township Fire Chief Aaron LaMaster. Cool. So they have set up what they call a listening tour where they go all around the state in different areas where firefighters, fire chiefs from the local fire departments can go in and give their two cents, give their input. Members of the public can come as well. And it just so happens that the regional opportunity for southeastern Ohio will be uh, this Saturday in Hamden from 10 a.m. to 12 at the community center. So once again, this is something that the public is welcome to do. Uh, the big issue, one of the big issues in Oak Hill is the regulation of underspeed vehicles. You know, we're talking about golf carts and utility vehicles. Interesting situation, okay. Jennifer. The state has a law and rules, but home rule has precedence, which means that... Really? Right. It's the, a local community like a city or a village, like we have here in Jackson County, they just can't say, okay, we're under the state rules. You know, you may think that, but they, ha they, have, they have to say you're allowed to do it. They, they have to say that you're allowed to do it or say that you're allowed or you're not allowed to do it. And Oak Hill, I didn't know that. Oak Hill did not have an ordinance or a resolution or any legislation. But because of the state code allowing it, people rode golf carts, utility vehicles, sure. apparently... They've done it for a long time, and that was all right with Oak Hill. Well, Oak Hill Village officials found out not all that long ago about the fact that they have to have an ordinance or resolution <laughs> so people can do it. It's not trying to keep them from doing it. It's allowing them to do it and also a system with an inspection program and like that that is because also required. Because they have required. to be street legal. You can't just willy-nilly jump right. on something well, and ride it around yeah, the street. Yeah, you have to have a driver's license and you have to have a license plate. And they have to have seat belts and all that stuff. Well, you, in, on the state level, you don't even have to have seat belts. That's a local decision, you don't. believe it or okay. not. Okay, I thought you but, did. But Oak Hill uh, has had a bunch of debate down there the last two or three meetings. I've covered those myself. Uh, and they've had uh, utility and operators and golf cart operators in who say, hey, you haven't done this before. Why are you doing this now? We've had no problems. Right. Why, should, why do you need to have regulations and inspections and an inspection fee and all like that? Right. And so, you know, the village officials, all of them except one, feel that there should be an ordinance or resolution, feel they have no choice. And so yeah. this story was uh, uh, written about in detail in last Saturday's paper, and that is also online there. Okay. Now, they have not uh, passed the final reading of that ordinance okay. is going to be at the next meeting, which is August the 23rd on a Tuesday at 6 p.m. If you're interested, uh, that is when they will pass the ordinance on golf carts. They have a separate ordinance on other underspeed vehicles like utility vehicles gotcha. that will be right behind that. I see. The reason there's different ordinances is because uh, the state allows for a different maximum speed. It's lower for golf carts than it is for utility vehicles. So they couldn't really okay. do it easily in the same ordinance. All right, uh, real quickly, because we're about ready to run out of time. Um, Colton Village Council will meet on Tuesday evening. We're telling you that because for a while they were on a schedule of having a meeting only once a month, and right. that was uh, the first Tuesday of the month. Now they're going to go back to a schedule of meeting the first and third Tuesday of the month. Okay. And the third Tuesday of the month is coming up this week. Can you so believe that already? That, that's at 7 p.m. Jeez. That, that's at 7 p.m. Uh, 
7 p.m. at the Colton Community Building at our own Jeremiah Shaver. That is one of his beats. Does a great job uh, covering that. Speaking of businesses that are downtown, the Robin's Nest is up and flying. The Robin's, yes. the Robin's Nest uh, Cafe and Tea Room, which is uh, the old tea caddy right next to the Marquet. Uh, we didn't have a picture of the owners before, but there they are. Uh, there you see uh, employee Destiny McGuire, uh, co-owner Mike Ural, and his wife, co-owner Robin Ural. And uh, they are the owner, operators, proprietors sure. of uh, the Robin's Nest uh, of the Robin's Nest Cafe and Tea Room. Love and so that. you want to give that out a try. Alex Shope, I'll tell you how dedicated he is, our editorial assistant. He not only did the story, but he went the next day and had a club sandwich or something just to see what, <laughs> what all the excitement good. was about. And he said it was good. I'll bet it is. I've heard nothing but good things. So Right. Uh, and we do want to give uh, we want to give a shout out to our own Cynthia Stifler here with yes. Stockmeister Enterprises uh, in another life. Uh, she uh, is with the Apple City Players, she is. and she not only is in the plays uh, that they have from time to time, but she is heading the youth theater program yes. of Apple City Players. Very cool. And they have a big date coming up, uh, auditions for their Christmas play, which is entitled Kid Kringle, and she wrote Kid Kringle. Now, how about that? That's pretty cool. Right, and there's going to be auditions for the kids on August the 25th at 6.30 p.m. at the Marquet Theater you just are asked to come to be prepared to give a short monologue and a song a cappella. Well, that would scare me away right no there. But just, just pretend like it's... You can like sing anything but Oklahoma. Yeah, no. <laughs> just pretend like it's karaoke and it doesn't matter. Uh, but, uh, uh, of course, she conducted a summer workshop this summer. I think she, she drummed up some interest among the youth. Yes. There's also going to be positions... Uh, you know, behind the stage that will be available as well that you can sign up for as well. But auditions for um, uh, the positions in the play, the actors, uh, that's 6.30 p.m. Thursday, August the 25th at the Marquet. We had a big article in last Saturday's paper, and it's online as well. Once again, the Hope United Methodist Church in Wilson will have its free community lunch this Wednesday. Uh, that will be uh, from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Anybody can come. It's free. It's not income-based or anything. It's just a community get-together thing. Here is Love a beautiful home-cooked free meal. Yay! Um, going to be chicken salad on a croissant with chips and fresh watermelon. What tastes better oh. this time of the year? All right. Uh, so what else are we going to talk about? Um, the Victory Grange uh, needs to get together on its apple butter. Yes, get you know, together on the apple yeah, butter. It, it, they can't do it by themselves. They need do volunteers it. out to help make the apple butter ahead of time. Yeah, they make it at the Apple Festival, but they've got to be stocked up before oh, then. Oh, man, because they cannot keep that stuff in stock. So right, well. There's not enough time in the day to make all the apple butter <laughs> that they need to sell. Rick Neal, who is a Grange member and kind of the promoter, he's put out some information. Out at the Grange Hall on Pattonsville Road, they're okay. going to have work sessions on Friday, September 9, Saturday, September 10, and also on Monday, September the 19th. And then, of course, during the festival, they could use your help then, too. But really... At first, ahead of time, out at the Grange Hall. Yes. And, of course, not only does this give them the fact, the, the chance to sell apple butter there, and it's, it's something they can do to make the Apple Festival uh, a, a true Apple Festival, but they also take the proceeds and uh, use it 
for uh, to buy weekend food and backpack programs and to support 4-H projects. So it's a true community service it project is. in more ways than one. Plus, they just make really good apple butter. Right. And speaking <laughs> of things out in the country that have a long history, the Limerick Grange will have its 124th annual Bean dinner yes. this Saturday. Uh, that's out on Savageville Road, and that's just like walking into yesterday it when you is. go out there. It you is. get some great soup beans and some other food at low prices, and it costs great, uh, and it tastes great, and costs not a whole yes. lot. Um, it will be from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. That event has a history of 124 years. How that's about awesome. that? You can get uh, white or brown beans. You can get cornbread and coffee. All that for $4 or $2, depend, uh, depending on adult or children. They also will have hot dogs, sloppy joes, cold drinks, pies, and cakes. You can get the pie um, by the slice or the whole pie. And you can also bring your own container and take beans home as well. Yeah. Uh, one quart ladle for only $2. So Nice. Uh, also, out on the traffic side, a Glade Run Road, which is County Road 57 in Washington Township, should be closed sometime starting today. Maybe it's already closed. That is a bridge replacement project. You can expect that section of Glade Road, which is just south of Glennell Road, to be closed for about two weeks. And if you ran into some problems on the Chillicothe Pipe, Pike because of construction out that way by CLA, that road is now open again. Okay. So I know a lot of people go out the Chillicothe Pike for whatever yep. reason. That traffic is now open again. So I went one minute over, Jennifer. I so much apologize to you. You for know that. why? Because you're full of it, Pete Wilson. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You are correct about that. Hey, we have some exciting stuff coming up. We kicked James out for a week, told him he had to take a vacation. So that's where he is. Well, we got Jeremiah Shaver, the good guy that he is, we pitching do. in to get us through it. And uh, Our Andy, good friend Andy. Andy Hudnell, yes. who's got a crash course in uh, video producing. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, kick James out for the week. And so we have a lot of fun things uh, planned for you. Uh, you will be back with Dan Morrow. Yeah, because, uh, oh my gosh. To talk I, about football. Right, right. We've Can you got, believe uh, it? Hey, on the Telegram side, we have a, a football preview coming out on Wednesday. Uh, In-depth articles about our four local teams, uh, the Jackson Ironman, the Vinton County Vikings, the Wellston Golden Rockets, and the Oak Hill Oaks. And then in Saturday's paper, uh, we have coverage of the other fall sports teams. It's awesome. So, so I mean, a, a lot of places just do starts, a football so preview, but we cover it all. And we do. We take two editions to do it. And thank you for that. And uh, again, Mayor Char Charlie Hudson from the city of Wellston will be here tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to talk um, with. We're going to talk skincare with my good friend Kaya, and how to how to do all the good things to your skin that you need to do. And then Chris O'Boyle will be here again on, or we'll be here Wednesday to talk about sports yes, in he, Wellston. He, he's the broadcaster for the Wellston Golden Rockets this year. That's right. So right. we're uh, you, looking forward to that. Yeah, he's a glib guy. I think he can handle it. <laughs> I'd say so. And then Thursday, we're going to take a visit to the Lillian Jones Museum, talk with our good friend Megan Malone, uh, about her retirement and and uh, about the museum in general. You'll get to meet the new director there, and uh, it will be a lot of fun. So we have a great week in store for you, even though we kicked James out. Okay. All right. Well, so. we, we will make do. We will. But we, we do miss him. We do. So have a wonderful day, everyone. Uh, happy Monday. And thank you, Jeremiah, for pushing all the right buttons. And we'll see you right back here tomorrow with Mayor Charlie Hudson. Bye-bye.